go with me this morning uh, to the book of Luke chapter 14. Great uh, testimony. Uh, thank you, worship team. Thank you uh, for your faithfulness. Luke 14 this morning. There's a story that came out, um, and uh, this story was attributed to Charles Spurgeon. And it goes something like this. You've got to listen close because if not, uh, um, I may not do a very good job presenting it and you may miss the point of the story. I won't blame myself for that. But anyway, it goes like this. A gardener uh, presents his king with the greatest carrot he has ever grown. So the king is touched and responds by giving the gardener a large plot of land. So here comes the nobleman. After he saw what the gardener had done, he gave him, and then the king, you know, gave him a land. He was like, well, okay, I'm going to do something. So what he did was he decided to be, to, that it would be advantageous for him to present to the king his finest horse. So he brings the horse to the king, he presents it to the king, but the king merely thanks him for the horse. The nobleman is confused. And so the king explains to him, listen to this, that gardener was giving me the carrot, but you were giving yourself the horse. In other words, when that gardener brought that carrot to me, it was sincere, with no motive, he just wanted me to have it. But when you brought your horse, you came expecting something in return. And I want to preach to you this morning because we are touching on the subject and the series of overflow, living a life of generosity. And I don't have to do uh, any further explanation because we understand that when I'm doing this series, I'm not just talking about money, though that money is one of the main subject matters that involves generosity, but we're talking about giving as a whole. So giving, if you understand anything about giving, giving is all about the heart. The intention is equally as important as the action. How many know that? That means it's not just me giving an amount, but it is the intention in which I give the amount with that matters as well. You see, it is within the nature of the human being to always expect something in return. Often, the adage that is very Famous is this, giving to get rather than getting to give. Can I say to you, beloved, we should live as Christians, counting it a privilege to give, whether our lives, our money, our time, our energy, our resources, our talent, all of it. We should count it a privilege to give because we get to give, not to Give so we can get. Because the cycle is clear. When you can be a blessing, and we'll talk about that in the last week, when you can be a conduit, what does God do? God flows into your life. As you keep releasing, He keeps giving. As you keep releasing, He keeps giving. Because He knows you are a funnel. He knows you are a conduit towards 
His kingdom. So, so many times, giving is seen as a duty, a burden-laden action, rather than a privilege and an opportunity. And this is what God wants to deliver us from. Our mindset, our mentality, our perception, so we can see giving in the correct way. Now, giving reveals the heart. And I'll explain to you in a moment why. Giving exposes where our heart really stands. Let me say to you this morning, you cannot eliminate giving from Christianity. If you ask me, Pastor, what are you going to preach? When was the last you preached on giving? I'll tell you I preach on giving every week. I may not preach on giving money every week, but how many know Christianity is constantly requiring us to give? You give your life to Christ. You give your time to Christ. You give your finances to Christ. You give your energy to Christ. You give everything about Christianity. When you leave today, you're going to be challenged to give your heart to Christ. You're going to be challenged. So you cannot remove the subject of giving away from Christianity. So we must realize that, that it may not be just money, but it will be the subject, the mere subject of giving is relevant all throughout Christianity. Luke chapter 14. I want to address uh, 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 this, uh, this morning and then we'll move forward into uh, the subject of the heart. Luke 14 verses 12 through 14, beloved. Let's go there in the Word of God. The Bible shares with us about a parable that Jesus shares. And he says these words, Then he also said to him who invited him, When you give a dinner or a supper, a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and Pastor Gregory. <laughs> Just checking whether you're awake. Okay. Verses 14, and you will be blessed. <laughs> because they cannot repay you. For you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. But you get what Jesus is trying to say here. God is a rewarder, beloved. He is a blesser. He's not a ripper. He doesn't rip you off from what... He has given you. He blesses you. We know the story of Abraham and Isaac. We know that God asked Abraham to lay his son Isaac on the altar of sacrifice. What was the purpose? This right here. This right here, beloved. He blesses us. And I want to go on record and say before we go any further, it is not wrong to expect and desire God's blessing. It's not wrong. It is biblical. It is the foundation. And in fact, it is the right, the privilege given to you and I as children of the Most High God to be blessed by God and for His blessing to flow. But to assume that God's blessing is only monetary is wrong. God's blessing isn't only monetary. We just heard a powerful testimony from our brother. God's hand of healing, God's hand of grace, God's hand of mercy, God's hand of miracle signs and wonders, nothing to do with money. 
But our text here describes to us what God is really dealing with when it comes to giving is He's dealing with our hearts. And I really need you to get that this morning. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, this is where we have to realize, beloved, that the church is not after your money. God is after your money. Because when He can get your money, He gets your heart. But if He cannot get your money, He doesn't have access to your heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Why is God after our finances? Why is God after our time? Why is God after all of those things that we count so dear to? Why is He after? Why is He after Isaac? He, he just like... <laughs> i tell you why. Because he's after Victor's heart. <laughs> That's the truth. Why is he after Isaac in the Bible? Because he's after Abraham's heart. He doesn't want the boy. He doesn't need the boy. He can make 25 different Isaacs just like that. You remember how Jesus was, came into the... Let me tell you, God owns everything and owns it all. This is what Christians have to give. He doesn't need this. He doesn't need my time. He doesn't need my, my talent. He doesn't need my money. He doesn't need you know, my, my, my uh, energy. He doesn't need you. Are you with me? He could have created robots. But why does He do it? Because He wants our heart. That's the truth. God doesn't need us, but He wants us because He wants our heart. He can do everything and anything without our help. How many figured that out? He, he doesn't need us to, oh, the light bills, oh my gosh, Gregory, pull an offering, Gregory. No, he's got all the money in the world. He doesn't need us to, oh yeah, pull an offering. No, God will, but He gives us the opportunity to partake. Because He says, when I have your money, when I have your time, when I have you, I have your heart. We must have a correct perspective about this. You see, when you put your money into a stock, when you invest into stocks, what happens, beloved? you begin to go online when, when you don't have too much money. La. <laughs> Every day you check. <laughs> Every five minutes, I'm logging in to check. <laughs> Better sell. <laughs> you know? But when you have lots of money, it's, it's different. But the point of the matter is, you check. Why? Why do you check? Maybe you don't check so often, but you do check it. And then maybe you don't check it, you don't check it every day. Maybe you check it once a week. Maybe you check it you know, a few months once down the road. But why do you go and check on it? Because your treasure is there. You put money. Money is your treasure. You put it there. You want it to perform well. And that's the truth. When you put your money into God's kingdom, you start taking interest in the church. You start having interest that, no, 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 we're going to fight this together. We're going to make this happen. We know God has a plan. We know why. Because you have, in, you have vested 
interests in the kingdom. And this is the reality. If you want to have a heart for God, you have to learn to give. So let's go back to our passage because our text tells us that his invitation exposes the motive of the heart. Reality is, beloved, we are born selfish. But when we are born again, God desires that we are born generous. God doesn't want us to remain selfish. Amen. God wants us to understand that He owns everything. And Jesus challenges us in this parable to express generosity. For what reason? Not to be rewarded here, but in eternity. That means my giving, my generosity, my liberality may never get rewarded here, but thank God most of the time it does. When we need Him, God shows up. When, God, when we need a miracle, God does. And God does do that, but essentially your greatest reward and your final reward is in eternity. And that is exactly what he's saying. He's saying, you know what? Don't expect someone to treat you the same way you treated them. That is not the heart God wants. As a Christian, you have to learn that God, you blessed me and I have the time, I have the energy, I have the talent and what better place to use it than your kingdom? Genuine generosity inculcates patience in our hearts because now we understand it's not here. Our reward is not here. That's why people get offended a lot of times. Why you're not doing this for me? Why you're not doing that for me? Why you didn't help me here? Why you didn't help me there? Because they somehow feel entitled and they don't understand kingdom principles. Matthew 6, 1-4. Let's move quickly and, and look at what this text says. Take heed. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds to be before men to be seen by them. Amen. Amen. Otherwise, you have no reward from your heavenly Father. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. See, this takes maturity. Immature people like to blow the trumpet. That your charitable deed may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. What, what is in both these passages, Luke 14 and Matthew 6, what is Jesus really getting to? The heart. He's addressing the heart, that we as believers must come to a place where we count it a privilege to give to God. What a privilege that I get to give rather than I give to get. Remember, we talked about it last week. It is more blessed to give than to receive. There's a blessing of God in all of that. William Barclay made this profound statement. He said, the law of the kingdom is this, that if a man gives to gain reward, he will receive no reward. But if a man gives with no thought of reward, his reward is certain. Can you catch that? That means when you give, 
saying, you know, I, I'm not even going to think about a payback. I'm just doing this because it's a privilege to do it. And, and, and I'm not going to even consider that, oh, by investing. You know, the church is not a business, right? Oh, I, I, what's the ROI, pastor? <laughs> Return of investment. I gave this much. Okay, what's the ROI? 3%, 4%? This year, are we doing very well? Oh, 6%, very good. No, it doesn't work like that. In case you expected that, sorry, wrong church. <laughs> we believe that God blesses. us. But he's saying when, that when we release, that means I serve, I preach, I give my time, I wake up, I pray, I sacrifice, I get involved, not expecting not doing it for the reward. The reward will come, no doubt. But I'm not doing it because I get something from it. I do it because it's a privilege to serve God. That's the heart God really wants us to have, beloved. Is it wrong to expect a blessing? No. Like I said, the blessing flows. But it is the heart that God is after. That I'm doing this because I love God. God gave me this statement this morning and I, and I want to say to you, there is nothing that can change, transform, connect your heart to God's kingdom as much as giving can do. I, I want to say that again. There is nothing that can change, transform, or even connect your heart to God's kingdom like giving can do. When you give into God's kingdom, when you begin to release into God, you know why some people have no interest in the kingdom of God? Because they never give into the kingdom of God. But why do people have interest? Let's talk about the opposite. Why do people, why do we fight? Why do we say, no, no, this is my church. This is the house of God put me. Because you have been giving. You have been giving. You have been giving. You have been giving. your time, your energy, your service, your ministry, your finances. Every you have been you have vested interest. For some people who have not been giving, it doesn't matter if the church doors are open or closed. To them, they don't care. It's like tapala, because it doesn't matter. But who who are the people who are concerned? The people who give. Amen. And God blesses that, doesn't He? So let's talk. Since I offended people already. So, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching what I, 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 I need to say this morning. But let's quickly bring this down. I want you to turn to Deuteronomy 15. I want to talk to you this morning about something that the Bible addresses. That in order for us to become generous in God's kingdom. Remember, it's not only money. We're going to have to learn these few principles. Have you, anyone in this place, ever received a gift from somebody? And then you opened it. And you realized it was a re-gift. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, they didn't want that gift, so they gave it to me. 
<laughs> you, know, you, you gave it to someone and, and have you ever had the same person give you back your gift? <laughs> like, hey, I love you. Happy birthday. And they gave you a shirt. But then you tried the shirt. It didn't fit. So you said, and then you didn't, you forgot. Who gave me the shirt? The tag is still on it. It's brand new. And then you wrap it and give it back to the same person who gave it to you. <laughs> okay, it didn't happen to me. I'm just telling you. <laughs> But the reality of it is, how does it make you feel? Does it make you feel special? Does it make you feel, you know, like, whoa, I mean something to that person? There are obviously some do's and don'ts. And Jesus, or rather God in our passage that we're going to read, confronts and deals with the condition of our heart. Remember, my first point is this. Giving has everything to do with our heart. God doesn't need our money. Please get that. God doesn't need our time. God doesn't need anything. But giving gives God access to our heart. And there are people in the church, God places all of us in different categories and different purpose. And God blesses us with different... Some people, God blesses with time. Some people, God blesses with finances. Some people, God blesses with talent. Some people, God blesses with the ability to serve in a ministry. And, and God gives everybody different gifts for you to express it in God's kingdom. So, what do we have to deal with in order for us to be generous and liberal with what we have? Deuteronomy 15, 7 through 10. Let's look at that. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren, Within any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his needs, whatever he needs. Beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand and your eye will be evil against your poor brother and you give him nothing. And he cried out to the Lord against you and it became sin among you. You shall surely give to him and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him because of this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. So let's just understand a little bit of history here. This passage talks about the Jubilee, the year of Jubilee. The year in which any death that has been taken will be wiped out. So assuming you borrowed money from someone, I know some people like this law to come back in force now. I would like it because then the banks will never come after you, right? Hey, seven years, hey, cancel, gone, finish, over, no, they pay you back. But you know that banks are not that stupid, right? <laughs> That's why they make money. Right? But the truth is, so what they do is they cancel the debt. And in this passage, God is addressing the Israelites. And He is telling the Israelites that when your motive, when your intention, you look at it, He says that when your intention is that if I loan this money to my brother, if I gave this money to my brother, if they needed money, you know, some capital for their, for their land in order to grow their 
agricultural land for them to grow their plantations or what. They needed some capital. If I gave him the capital and I look now, there's only six more months before the year of Jubilee. Which means, if he doesn't pay me back in that six months, what I loaned him is gone. Are you with me? So can you imagine how the children of Israel had to process it? And God says, when you do that, you're wicked and selfish. Ouch. He's saying, when you, do, when you become so calculative, look at this passage. Lest there be a wicked thought in verses 9. Go ahead and put verses 9 up. A wicked thought in your heart saying the seventh year, the year of release is at hand. Right? And your eye be evils against your brother and you give him nothing. So because it's coming to a place where I'll never get repaid, I won't give it to you. How many Christians think like that? And, and that's what God wants to change in us. He really wants us to know that He is a blesser. He never takes from us without giving back. He never asks us for anything without blessing us. He just wants you to come to that revelation that I am not a taker, I am a giver. You can trust me. And God says, don't think like that. So what kind of heart must we have towards giving? You know, I grew up in a family um, was extremely generous. My, my dad, many a times when we go out for a meal or what, he, you know, would always try to foot in the bill and say, no, 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 I'm paying for it. I'll take care of the bill, you know, and, I, and I'll take it. But I also would say, I learned as I grew older, and I begin to get my finances in order. I begin to make some decisions in, in the time to come and uh, uh, in the time past. I begin to make some decisions. I realized that they were extremely generous, not wisely, but foolishly. Now, now I want you to catch this carefully. I, I, I'm not saying that in a wrong way. Because they were generous, but they had not been concerned about their own well-being in their generosity. Are you with me? So there is wisdom that needs to be applied. You don't just, oh, let me pay for the meal. And then all you have is $100 in the account and you want to pay for their meal. You've got to have common sense. And I'll talk about that on the fourth week. <laughs> common sense. There's common sense in all the budgeting, saving, investing. These are all common sense, practical things that you must have in place in order to become a blessing. Amen. You, you, you can never be a blessing if you don't have money or you don't have time or you don't have any access. You don't have access and every time you want to, oh, let me buy for you this and you take your mortgage payment, your house rent payment or your car payment or your school children's fees and say, let me bless you with it. Why? Because I want them to speak well of me. But then this, you don't want to pay your, th that's foolish. That's foolish. So I'm not, I'm not preaching that. Wisdom is necessary and God wants to make us generous in our wisdom. Amen. So, 
Let's go to this passage and let's dissect this very quickly and uh, close this sermon off uh, this morning. Deuteronomy 15, 9. There's a few verses I want you to look at there. You may go home and read it for the sake of time. But the Bible says in 15 verses 9, Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying, The seventh year, the year of release is at hand. Your eye be evil against your poor brother. You give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you and it becomes sin among you. The first thing you have to deal with if you're going to become generous is you have to deal with a selfish heart. Amen. We are all selfish by nature. We sit here and I know we're Christians, but I'm here to tell you God wants to set us free. In all my years of ministering, in all my years of pastoring, in all of my giving, and I'll tell you in a moment, I, I'll, I'll share with you, in all of my giving, God has never, never cheated us. Yeah, always seen God's blessing. The flow of God in favours in different areas with my children, in their school, uh, in, in places that we have stepped into. Always there has been an open door, favour of God that money cannot buy. But a selfish heart is birth when we are fear when we are fearful we're anxious we lack faith and we think that somehow by giving to god uh, i will have nothing left for me selfishness always blinds you from the blessing of god selfishness always tells you you cannot do more for god selfishness always tells you you need to keep your focus on your own self rather than god i thank god this week for the people who saw the needs of the church and responded why do i say that i thank god for you because i understand beloved that it is breaking a spirit in your family and the blessing of god is released Selfishness always hinders us from generosity. Who was a selfish man? Think about it in the Bible. You know who was in the Bible? Judas. Wasn't Judas a selfish man? Oh, you shouldn't give so much to Jesus. Didn't he say that? What's wrong with you? That oil is so much. No, but that lady understood something. What I gave to God, I'll never lose. What I give to the world, it'll never come back. She got that. That was a revelation. Why did she do that? Because she had a revelation of who Jesus was. It was a conscious action of faith. And when Judas, when the woman released the oil, beloved, it broke that spirit and released the blessing. How many know it's always hardest in the morning at 4 a.m.? you got a rational mind and you got an emotional mind. When I'm sleeping in the morning, I don't know whether this is bedroom secrets or what, but my wife likes to hold me. <laughs> Thank God she's not here. Hey, hey, but I heard she's watching upstairs. <laughs> And so, and so, that's the time you don't want to wake up and pray. So dark, the room is cold, the comforter feels, oh. But how many know, when you make an emotional decision, you wake up later and then regret, I should have woke up earlier. 
your rational mind tells you, you fool, wake up. You need the time. Get out of bed. And how many know it is getting out of bed that is the hardest? So I found this clock. I didn't buy it yet. It's called Clocky. <laughs> it goes off. It's got two wheels. And the buzzer just keeps going until you run and chase it and catch it. It's called a Clocky. Go look it up. C-L-O-C-K-Y. Clocky. It was invented by an Indian guy. <laughs> and so and so I don't know why I said that. <laughs> but but the truth is, so what clocky does is at 4 a.m. And you know what it does? It starts making its way to the tip of the of the table, the bedside table, and it falls. And then and so until you get up to stop it, it won't stop. It just gets louder. You know what that guy understood? He understood one thing. I need to overcome your emotion with your rationale. And so giving is such. Emotionally, you always feel like, ah, oh, too much. But when you do the right thing, are you with me? Then the blessing flows. See, a principle... It's a principle. When God says you give, you will be blessed. God says you give and He will give back to you. When God says that, it's always the hardest thing to take that first step. Pastor, I want to commit myself. I want to give my time to this. It's always the hardest thing to do. But the moment you do it, God helps you. And then the Bible says when they compel you to go one mile, you go two miles. Where does the strength come from? Where does the energy come from? Where does the ability come from? From your decision to say, I'm giving to God. Yeah. My time, my money. Where does the blessing, the finances just keeps flowing? Where does that come from? Because you made a decision, I'm giving to God. And when you did that, what happened? God had access to your heart. And when he has access to your heart, nothing can he not do for you. So you have to deal with a selfish heart. The second thing you need to deal with, verses 10, and this is very, very, very us. Okay, sorry, me. You shall surely give to him and your heart should not grieve when you give to him because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. Have you had a funeral for the money you gave? <laughs> so much I gave. I gave so much of my time. Have you, ever, have you ever grieved over what you gave God? This is what, this is what, <laughs> this is what uh, 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 God is dealing with. He's saying, don't grieve. When you've given it to God, when you have given it away, when you have released it, don't sit back and pout and murmur and complain about what I've done. Don't grieve. Because if selfishness hindered you from giving, grief will make you regret giving. You see, it hits you this way or that way. That's why you have to deal with selfishness and you have to deal with grief. That means I have to say, you know what? I have to break free. I have to do something. I'm not going to sit down and let my emotions run me. I'm going to do the right thing. 
And once you've done it, the first thing you start feeling is, you start feeling great. Have you ever said no to somebody? And then how you feel after saying no? How you are, maybe I shouldn't have said no lah. You feel bad because you said no. But how many know that's sometimes the right thing to do? But guilt has a way of making you regret what you do. And this is what happens. I was just sitting down this week with my wife and we were just talking, uh, 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 you know, about the decisions we've made. The number of times my wife has decided to turn down offers that came to her. She was given an offer to work with some of the big companies when, we, when she was working a full-time job. Nike, uh, 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 I, at one point of time... Uh, um, uh, what is the name of the company? Uh, Johnson's. I, I don't think it was Johnson & Johnson. It was another Johnson, I think. But, but uh, uh, several different huge companies. But he said, no, because I need to serve God. Now, again, for some people, that's the will of God for them, to be a blessing financially. But for us, it was, no, we need time so we can pray for our people we can counsel our people. We can be here for the people of God and serve the church. And I sat back, the, we we're just talking about it, all the many different opportunities that came our way. I said, God, I have no regrets. You know what it feels like to live with no regrets? Because you gave your best to God. You didn't hold back. I'm not grieving. I'm rejoicing. I'm rejoicing because I understand that you know what? None of those things could have replaced the pleasure of what we feel today. The joy, the marriage, my children, the relationships we have with people. There's nothing that can replace it. I can only imagine if we decided to pursue something else, maybe we said no at that time. We grieved but no regrets. Can I tell you, there's nothing you give God that will never ever be given back to you. God has ways. This is what we have to deal with, a grieving heart. We grieve, why? Now, if, if, if I sit right here that, you know what, I need some money. I said, I want to go eat after this. And I told you, hey, I need $100 to go eat. Now, let's say my son was in service. And my son, daddy, daddy, I got the money. Now, take it. And then he went back and he sat in his seat. And he, daddy took $100 from me. Right? But why would he grieve and sulk when I gave him the money in the first place? Do you understand that all the money you have is God's? God trusted you with it. That's why He gave it to you. Because He sees you can handle much and you can handle little. And God says, I'll bless you with it. And you become a candidate to that blessing. And then when we give to God, God says, you just brought back what I gave you. I'll bless you back. You gave $100. I'll times that by 10 and throw it back to you. It's mine anyway. But you know how many times we give and... I gave so much lah. So much I gave. Serious. You brought what belonged to God. That's it. That's it. Are you with me, church? This is what liberates us. 
Because generosity reaches to the heart. It gets to the heart, beloved. Thirdly, we need to develop a generous heart. Let's close before you guys stone me. Verses 14. You shall supply him. Deuteronomy 15 verses 14. Let's, let's bring this down. Deuteronomy 15, 14. You shall supply him liberally. Say liberally with me. From your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine press, from what the Lord has blessed you with, you shall give him. Listen, from what the Lord has blessed you with. Who gave it to you in the first place? God. Who blessed it with who blessed you with it? God. It's not, I, I cannot do that. Even if you want to remove God out of the equation, try your best. But everything, our hands, our face, our mouth, our ears, our legs, everything that God has enabled us to do to earn money came from God. The wisdom, the, in, the intelligence, the brains to think came from God. Let's not stop there. The favor that God brings someone to you to give you a deal, it's God. The favor that causes the deal to fall through, generous, I mean, in, in, a, in, in, the most, uh, in the most peaceful and amicable, with no difficulty and hardship, it's God. That your boss can pay you a salary at the end of every, it's God. It's God. What did God say? I will bless the wicked. For what reason? To bless the righteous. God channels. Because you are there. Like what we read in the book of Jonah. God blesses. So we should develop generosity. We need to renew our minds, beloved. As Christians, we need to realize that it all belongs to God. And this is what develops generosity in us. God's not asking for yours. God's asking for His. And we like... Like what I said, Jeremy, you know, sometimes we may pout, we may make it hard, and we may say, oh, you know, hello, it's mine. I gave it to you. I blessed you with your roof over your head. I blessed you. And God has no issues with that. He gave us the favor, the opportunity. Now, I want to set a disclaimer here. To live a generous life, you must have your finances in order. Amen. If, you, if you're in debt, don't take the money you have to pay to your credit card and give it to church. <laughs> Amen. That, that's not wisdom there. Oh, I have to pay, you know, uh, this person, uh, my, my landlord will understand. Lah. Pastor say got need in church. So my landlord will understand. I'll tell my landlord one story. <laughs> Hello. You, you're staying in a rented house maybe and he call your landlord. Hey, my church needs money lah. I cannot pay you rent for this month. Can you please understand? Uh? And then you bring your rental and you throw it into church. That's not wisdom. You know how you get generous? When you have your money, your finances in order. You have to have it in order. And this is how generosity is birthed when you have a grateful heart. So let's close with a grateful heart. De Deuteronomy 15, 15. Let's close, beloved. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. How many know God has redeemed us from the, from the fallen nature of sin? We deserved hell. 
We deserved to burn for eternity. And the Bible says He delivered them from Egypt. And what does it say? You shall remember you were a slave. You were a slave. You were a slave in the land of, and the Lord your God redeemed you. How do you repay that? Giving your time, giving your energy, giving your finances, giving your resources. That is what a grateful heart stirs us to do. The kingdom of God, His kingdom, I say to you, needs a people who are generous. We express our generosity. The Bible says that the local church, no doubt we tithe a tenth. But if you read the New Testament, people argue every time, say, oh, there's no word of tithe. No, in Matthew 18, there is. In Hebrews, there is the word tithe. But can I tell you, when I begin to put the series together, I realize that the tithe is only a guide. You know what God is really challenging us to do, really? Is to give above and beyond that. Really, that's what you see in the book of Corinthians. You know, the Bible is challenging us. And, and, and you look at, at 2 Corinthians 9, 7. So let us give as He purposes in His heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So God doesn't want us to be bound. But God doesn't want us to also say, oh, 5%. Good deal what God, huh? 95, I keep 5, you take. Like as though God is some sales commission like that, you know. <laughs> I take 95%, you take. Okay, God, let's, let's structure the deal. My children, I need to go to school. 98%, 2%. <laughs> and then God is going like, yeah, 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 we can do that, no problem. A tenth is the bare minimum. Are you with me, church? Why? Why do we complain about it? Because we forgot. We were redeemed from Egypt. Our sin, the ungodliness, the lack of blessing, the lack of breakthrough, all of that, that wasn't even present. And God gave us all. God blessed us with that. And, and, then, and then people forget. Why do we give so much? I've had my children ask, why, why daddy, why do you, why do you all give so much? Because God paid a high price for us. No reason for me not to give. He's been good to us, son. So this is what giving from the heart does. Can I close with this question? Brother, third one, right? Third one. Third one? Second. Second. Okay, second. Just third, second and a half. Okay, let's close. Let's close. Let's close. Let's close. I'll, uh, listen, listen, listen. Have you ever wondered? Think with me. Have you ever wondered why did God ever invent giving? Think, think with me for a while. He owns everything, isn't it? He can, he can do marvelous things. He can bless one person in the church who honors him, that can take care of everything that is needed in his house. God can do such things. But why did God invent giving? Why did he do it? After all, he owns all the money. 
He owns all the time. I, I said last week, right, that your time, your life is in God's hands. You cannot fight the day you were born and fight the day you wanted, you're going to die. Take the most expensive ginseng. Right? I mean, it's true. I mean, we can keep ourselves healthy. I, told, I think I shared it with you. Uh, one of my, one of my uh, friends was sharing with me the other day that his dad is 95 years old. He drinks lemon water in the morning, warm lemon water. And now he's 95. He says, I do the same every day. I'm not against it. I am not. I'm just sharing with you things that people do to stay healthy as long as possible. Nothing wrong. But I want you to think with me. Life, death is in His hands. He created everything. So the question is then, why did He invent giving? If He was going to just fund the church, He was just going to fund the needs of the kingdom, if He was just going to provide, He can do it, right? He can because He owns everything. He owns everything. I've had random people, you know, in this, in this season of time, I've had a, a lady who's in Singapore who used to attend church here, who left because she went to work in Singapore. And out of the blue, when the church was in desperate need, I'm not kidding, not a word. He's my witness because she contacted the church phone. She said, I need to transfer money to the church. I was like, from Singapore, why got no church there? She said, I'm not attending a church. And this is where I got the word of God and I want to give here. And she transferred. I'll tell you what, God has ways to miraculously cause money. To I'm telling you, God has ways. I can tell you stories. I've had people follow me at the back of my car, not to ask for money, but to give money. <laughs> I remember one time I'm going home and this lady all of a sudden shows up in front of the gate and she, she, she comes, we, my family and I, we're getting out of the car, I say, uh, uh, I, I don't know why I wanted to, but God dealt with me to give you this money. I've seen it, church. I've seen God do miraculous things time and time again. God can cause money to appear anywhere and from anything. So why did he invent giving? He invented giving not for him. He invented giving for us. Because that is the only way to get our hearts. When you are truly committed to giving God, God says, I have your heart. I'll break every curse the devil brings on you. I'll cause you to be delivered. I'll cause you to have breakthrough. I'll cause you to see blessing because I have your heart. So giving was invented not for, for God. It was invented for us. So I challenge you this morning. If you haven't experienced God that way, I'm telling you, He is good. He is a blesser. There are things we are protected from that God don't, you don't even know of. But what can God deal with you? How can God stir you in giving? Do right. Honor Him. And I assure you, when rational supersedes emotion, you take the first step, and you will see God do the miraculous. I want you to bow your heads with me. I'm, I'm done this morning.